0: I'm Romi Newman, the co-founder and president of Fairy God Boss, and this is Fairy God Boss Radio. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited to be joined here today with Erin Packwood. Erin is vice president of Total Rewards and HR Transformation at Cisco Corporation. Thanks for joining us, Erin.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Romy.
0: We would love to start out just by hearing about you and your career journey and how you became what you are today.
1: Well, thank you. I actually have a non-traditional career path, I guess you would say. I graduated from college and first started working in an investment banking firm, thinking I wanted to have a career in investment banking. And started out in a firm that focused on staffing firms and mergers and acquisitions of staffing firms. And I had studied organizational behavior and management in college and realized in those studies that I had a passion for the people behind business. And I thought working in an investment banking role, which sounded really exciting at the time, with staffing companies where the assets were people would uh, really fit in with where my passion was. But what I quickly realized after several years in investment banking is that at the end of the day, even if the assets are people, most of the focus is on the financial outcomes of the business. And after many years of um, reading stories and seeing the research that suggested most times mergers and acquisitions failed because people didn't pay attention to the people side of the business and integrating businesses and their cultures, um, it just left a bad taste in my mouth. And I kind of, you know, I couldn't dispute that. And luckily for me at that time, I came across an opportunity to join one of the leading global HR consulting firms and took many of the things I'd learned as a quote-unquote consultant in an investment banking capacity and took it into an HR consulting role where the focus of the work now became building HR programs that really did help build cultures within organizations and and advance the people and the contributions that people could make to business. And since then, I've never looked back. I have actually transitioned from consulting into a corporate HR role, which I really enjoy as well. But that's kind of how I got where I am, from investment banking to HR consulting, and now as an HR leader in the largest global food service distribution company, Cisco Corporation.
0: I love that story. And I have to say that from my own experience as an operating executive in a corporation, that understanding of how important and valuable the people are as an asset is probably one of the most underestimated facts of of any in the business world, I think, for sure.
1: I think that's right.
0: So tell us about what you do now. What do you do at Cisco and what are you excited about there?
1: Yeah. So you you mentioned my title is Vice President of Total Rewards and HR Transformation, and for people that aren't in HR, neither of those uh, might make sense. But in HR terms, Total Rewards refers to all of the compensation and benefit programs that a company provides its employees. I like to think of it as it's where we make our biggest investments in our people, through what we pay them and the other benefits that we offer them to make us an attractive employer, but also to support what we know our employees need, such as for their health care or their their overall well-being, taking time off, things like that. So I'm, I'm in the lucky position to get to shape those kinds of programs for Cisco. In addition to that, I am newly responsible for HR transformation at Cisco. Like many companies, we're evolving and we're transforming as a business. And as a part of that, we're also challenging the way we deliver services to our employees, the way we Uh, administer our compensation and benefit programs and all other HR related processes. And I'm excited to be a part of looking at how we, Cisco, might actually deliver these services and support the organization as an HR function differently in the future.
0: I love that. So since you're thinking a lot about the future of talent, what advice would you give to our audience about how they should think about developing and honing skills that are relevant from now moving forward in the future?
1: One of the things that I'm learning as we approach HR transformation and something that I think has relevance to employees in any capacity is how important it is to be willing to think differently uh, and how important it is for leaders to be open to hearing new ideas. Um, So that's certainly something I would suggest to, to all of your listeners that can be very helpful. I know some people are much more willing to offer up ideas than others. And leaders are sometimes more willing to be receptive to new ideas than others. But ultimately that's how we advance as businesses. And that's how we transform with the times. And all of these, all of that comes from ideas, usually at the front lines of our business, the people who are actually doing the work, not realizing that unless they raise the problem, and potentially offer a solution, someone else might not even ever be aware of it.
0: Yeah, I love that. So we we are moving into an idea economy or we live in an idea economy, right? And we all have to be solution oriented for sure. So let's talk about your career path and how has gender played a role? I can only imagine what it was like to be in investment banking and then you were in consulting and now you're in HR. What is your experience specifically as a
1: woman in all of those experiences? Sure. I I guess I'm happy to say that in in many ways, I feel fortunate that I can't think of many times where I felt like my gender did play a role in my career. And in the very few instances where I did come to the conclusion that maybe it was playing a role, I, I have to say that I felt empowered to do something about it. Those experiences led me to believe there really is truth to the suggestion that women are often perceived differently in the workplace than men are. Uh, For instance, even if they're demonstrating the same behaviors as men, they'll be perceived differently, such as, you know, women might often be perceived as pushy or bossy or demanding, whereas a man would be perceived as persuasive or passionate or decisive. Um, So I've definitely seen some of that behavior in my career and questioned, you know, if I were a man, would I be perceived this way? But I've also learned that it's Important for us as women that we're aware of that fact and the fact of how we might be perceived by our male peers just because of the fact that we're women, and we exude these these characteristics maybe differently than men are accustomed to seeing them from their male peers. I, I also have to say that I think as more organizations become um, or start to recognize these unconscious biases that exist and start to raise awareness, I'm hopeful, and, and I've seen evidence of this, that women will start to feel more empowered to be their authentic selves in the workplace uh, without fear that exhibiting confidence, for example, might be misjudged by their peers, whether those peers are men or women, because to be frank, it's you know the same perceptions uh, that men have of women when they're demonstrating these behaviors. Women might also feel the same way. So that's just one of the things that I definitely take a note of in my career that I think is important for both men and women to acknowledge and hopefully continue to learn from each other and be understanding of.
0: Right. Those biases exist today. We have to operate in a world where they exist. And then if we all gain more power and have more success, we'll shatter them.
1: That's right. That's right. And I think it's, it's, it's also that we, you know, important that we're careful not to paint all, you know, men or women with a broad brush or paint all workplaces with a broad brush, but those are just examples. And I think, you know, most of of your listeners probably um, like me will have experienced some of that, but, but certainly, um, you know, as we continue to learn from each other, um, you know, it's, it's important that we, we continue, we recognize, and there are HR terms that We call diversity and inclusion that we continue to recognize the importance of diverse thought in problem solving and the inclusion of ideas uh, from people that maybe aren't just like us in in creativity. Um, And again, I think more and more organizations and people as individuals are starting to recognize the value of that. And it gives me, it's it's actually very exciting.
0: I agree. So, how do you go about supporting women? institutionally or or more casually
1: well a couple of ways in my current role at Cisco I'm actually one of the executive sponsors of one of our women's networking groups Um, and it's it's a group that has been created really just to create a channel for women discussing issues that are important to women or just broader business issues even uh, this group has been empowered to brainstorm ideas, and I'd say, you know also been empowered to just get things done. A couple of examples of what I've observed in participating in a group like this is that you know some great ideas can come out of these networking groups, particularly around issues that are important to women, and they can be big or they can be small. In our case, uh, the the group that I'm a part of just brought up the idea that, you know, perhaps uh, dedicated parking spaces for expectant mothers could be really helpful. And that's not a, that's not a big ask of an employer, and, and I'm happy to say that our company responded to that. And once again, it was an example of, nobody was really thinking about that, but it was a great idea, it was a receptive environment, and it was something that the company could take action to respond to.
0: Actually, I don't know if you know, that is the opening chapter of Lean In, of Sheryl Sandberg's original book, Um, And her point that has always resonated with me is that she was the first executive who was pregnant. She was the first time that there was a woman executive, a pregnant executive. So it was the first time that she, anybody in the executive room realized that they should have parking spaces closer. Um, And so that's why that representation matters so much.
1: Yeah, that's right. And another idea that this group came up with was just, you know, what if we formally as an organization celebrated International Women's Day on March 8th? globally across the company? How hard would that be? And, you know, in raising the idea, the group also said, and we'll organize it. We'll do all the work, which is also a great thing, right? So it's, you know, it's also a lesson in if you have an idea, do you also, you know, or a problem, do you have a solution? And if you do, you know, more often than not, people will be very receptive to it. So so those are examples of, I think, the kinds of environment that I've been, you know, uh, lucky to be a part of. You know, small groups of people generating ideas, taking action and trying to, you know, help make a difference. Um, You know, I'm also in a unique role as an HR leader in my company that I also get to uh, contribute directly to developing policies and other company efforts to support the career development and uh, contributions of all of our employees and particularly ensuring that those programs support women just as they do men. But I also have to say that outside of work, uh, this is, is as important to me. And for many years I served as a mentor to my uh, to the collegiate women in my college sorority. And you know what I why that was so important to me and, and why I did it for so many years is because I realized that it's probably the first time that many women start to experience what it's like to work as a team, to achieve a goal as a group. Yeah um and start to develop leadership capabilities and so you know i I, it was really it was also educational for me you know working with these young women as in developing my own leadership uh competency so i've really been excited i haven't done as much outside of work lately but um over the years i've been happy to you know do what i felt i could in groups or communities that were close to me to help build leadership capabilities and ensure there was an environment where you know, women can talk about, you know, how how to grow, uh, how to remove barriers and, and, you know, how to be successful.
0: I love those examples, especially because I do think in my own conversations, women can feel so isolated in the workplace. And one of the ways to combat that is finding ways we can collaborate and work together, even if it's not in our day job. Right. So um, when we've talked to women about deciding where they want to work, the number one thing they say is working for a good manager. What do
1: you think makes a good manager? Yeah, first of all, I agree with that 100%. <laughs> and it's definitely been true for me. Um, you know, The difference between the jobs I've loved the most has usually been you know, the leader that I worked for. In my opinion, a good manager, first and foremost, is someone who's approachable, someone who you can talk to that's willing to give you coaching without judgment. I think it's also important that a good manager provides ongoing feedback, helps you understand what you do well and where you have, where you can improve gives you constructive uh, feedback, but does it in a respectful way. You know, I always think of the golden rule it gives you feedback the same way you you'd want to receive feedback. I'd add that. I think a good leader is also flexible, you know, and, and by that, I mean, gives you flexibility for, creativity and innovation. or gives you the space for creativity and innovation um, and really, you know, focuses on what's important but is not ov- overly rigid or unnecessarily rigid, I guess. And then lastly, I guess a good manager is someone who wants you to succeed and recognizes that if you succeed, they succeed and doesn't feel threatened by that and actually feels uh, uplifted by the success of the people that are, that are on their team.
0: Exactly. When there's a synergy, results are better for everybody. That's right. So now I'm going to ask you to tell us about a mistake you've made and what did you learn from it.
1: Yeah, uh, it's interesting. Um, I I know I've made many mistakes. Um, I I guess I'm I'm glad to say I don't think I've ever made any monumental mistakes, but little mistakes, uh, which are in in themselves learning opportunities, there have been many. Uh, And for example, I guess you know, I think of one you know, that is an example of where I received feedback. And I guess the mistake was, you know, me taking it personally and not in the spirit in which it was intended. Uh, so for example, one, one time while working on a project, after the work was all done, I got feedback that the project could have been more successful if I had engaged more people in providing input into the project. And at the time, you know, I took that personally. I thought it meant you know the work I had done wasn't good enough, but on reflection I realized you know, the feedback was intended to help me do better in the future. And in fact, including more people and getting more input and more perspectives into the project would have made it more successful. So you know lots of little experiences like that. And you know, my takeaway from that is feedback is a gift. It's it's not, you know, intended to be um, stifling, but actually help you grow in your career. I love that.
0: Feedback is a gift. I'm actually going to use that later today. (laughs) We're doing performance reviews right now. Yes, that's
1: right. That's right. We we use that a lot where I work. (laughs) But I would also say, you know, if I look back many times, I I feel like I've made mistakes in maybe sometimes taking my team for granted. I am a leader with high standards, and I think everyone on my team has high standards as well. And you know, oftentimes I look back and realize I've not taken the time that I should have to express my appreciation and, and gratitude, and, and similarly give that positive feedback. So those are things that, again, over time, I've, I've I would consider mistakes, and that I hopefully have learned from, and continue to try to pay attention to. Absolutely,
0: I agree one hundred percent. So I'm talking to you in the middle of May, 2020. And we're all still living this horrible COVID crisis. Let's talk a little bit about, I think we we have a lot more employees working from home. You're at home today. I'm at home today. How do we think about managing work-life balance in this new virtual working world and managing everything that's on our plate in a very difficult time?
1: Yeah, it's, it's important all the time, but especially important now where the boundaries between work and home life aren't as clear as, as they might otherwise be. I think, you know, in a normal environment, some of the things I've learned to help achieve work-life balance um, have been to take time off, you know, block out time, you know, in the traditional sense like vacation or holidays um, and when you take time off, take that time off. Don't be watching email just in case someone needs you. Um, and similarly, try not to participate in work if you don't have to. And, and I, I have a system with my team that says, look, I'm, approach- I, or I'm reachable when I'm on vacation. If something important comes up. But I tell them to call me versus send me an email because if they call me, I'll, I'll answer the phone. But what I don't want to do is be distracted checking email just in case somebody needed me. Um, so that's the system we have, which means I'm reachable, but I'm going to try not to work unless you need me. And then similarly, um, email, we, we, I kind of have rules around email where I may send emails at night because that's what's convenient for me because I've, you know, decided that, you know, maybe I want to knock off a little bit early or at least earlier in my career, especially when I had small children at home, I would, you know, try to make sure I was focused on the family during the dinner hour and bedtime and bath hours and all that. And then I might just for my own stress relief, knock out a few emails later in the evening, but that was my preference. And I had to make sure, you know, when I started, uh, realizing that maybe people thought they, I was expecting them to respond at those late hours or at times that were convenient for me, that that wasn't, that was not my expectation. I think it's important, you know, and I've, I've since communicated to my team that, look, I'm sending emails at times that are com- convenient for me. Do not take that as a sign that I'm expecting you to respond at a time that's not convenient for you. Um, so just little things like that I think are important is, you know, having clarity yourself about, how you can achieve work life balance also being open with your teams about you know how what works for you may not work for them and kind of having a mutual understanding of what's the best way for us to to work together and, and you know within different working styles or even different working schedules so that everybody kind of understands what's in bounds and out of bounds and what what to expect of each other
0: absolutely i think that's so right and then at the same time it can be hard to think about career advancement or networking or development in this weird world how do we remember that those are priorities and act on that
1: yeah that's really interesting uh, this uh, this networking group that i mentioned to you earlier we are still trying to stay connected in fact we we had a um a webex meeting earlier this week of a, the steering committee as we normally would if we were in the office And it was a little bit of a question of, well, what do we do now? And I said, well, this is just a new challenge. we got to think this through. You know, how do we accomplish the same things that we always wanted to achieve as this group in this new environment, whether it's temporary or not? Um, So it was kind of, you know, a good opportunity for us to all lift each other up again to say, we can still do this. We just need to maybe do it differently. And that in and of itself is a unique challenge for us. Um, But, you know, I'd say it starts with trying to keep the same routines that you've always had and just accomplish the same things in a different way, whether it's, you know, virtually or through phones or just trying to find new ways. And it it has really been very interesting, as you said, you know, this time of year 2020 during the COVID-19 pandemic, just to see how innovative people have been. Uh, and how it really has opened up, it's, I, I keep saying it's, it's equal parts exhilarating and exhausting because it, you know, it, it has opened up people's opportunities to do things radically differently. Uh, but it's also therefore, you know, been especially challenging and mentally, mentally challenging to figure out, you know, how to do things differently than we always have in the past.
0: Absolutely. All right. So I'm going to move to our fun five questions. Okay. What is your karaoke song?
1: Oh, I actually love karaoke. And um, I almost try (laughs) never to sing the same song twice, just just for the fun of it. But one that I enjoy probably singing the most, and some people might be surprised by this is Jolene by Dolly Parton. That's a great song. I love that song.
0: What's your favorite way to exercise your mind or your body?
1: Oh exercise is is not my favorite thing at all. I'll start with that um, but I, I would almost say I'm always exercising my mind i, I, I think I'm always thinking about something. I'm one of these people that has a hard time sort of shutting it down at night and, and getting rest so I sort of I, I really have to focus much more on exercising my body and what I've also learned is the only way I can do that is to do it before my day gets away from me and so 45 minutes at 545, three or four days a week, that's my, that is my exercise commitment. And that is the, the best way for me to ensure that I actually do get physical exercise on a regular basis.
0: I'd love that. I also find that when I start the day with exercise, I just have like a brighter outlook.
1: That's right. I think that's right. something I, big early. That's right. That's right. I'm, I'm, I'm one, my, my husband actually likes to work out in the evening, but for me, the evening is for winding down and not, yes. you know, getting energized. Exactly.
0: Who is one person, dead or alive, you'd like to have dinner with?
1: I've I've answered this question in other conversations, and I wish I could say one. I've really had a hard time uh, trying to pick just one person. I would certainly narrow it down to three. The three people that if I could have a dinner party, for example, that I would love to have around the table would be first, Jacqueline Kennedy, and alive would be Oprah Winfrey, and, and Bono from U2. I love U2. I'm a big U2 fan. I think what that a would great be group. The, the perfect dinner party would have them at my table. Wow. Well, I'd like you to invite me, please. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: as I think you know, we have a, a tradition at Fairy God Boss. We think, kind of, to your point about bias, women don't brag well enough. Women are not good at talking about our own accomplishments. So even though it feels a little uncomfortable, we're going to ask you to brag for us right now. Bragg to us about an accomplishment or something that you're very good at and tell us.
1: I think you're right about that. I, I don't think women are very good at, at bragging uh, about themselves, but it's interesting this question is coming up right now because um, I've, I've been talking about the environment we're in and how it's created opportunities for us to think uh, in more innovative ways and or raise new ideas. And I've, I've had a recent example where an initiative that I've been you know, trying to move forward for three or four years now, finally, this environment has opened up the doors that, you know, perhaps the, our leadership would be more receptive to it. And, I, you know, I'm not kidding. I've just gotten off a series of calls where we're finally going to move forward with this initiative. And, you know, others who participated in the project have been gracious enough to, to tell me that you know, with, it's been my efforts to push this forward and my creativity that, that helped get us to this point. I have to say that's been very gratifying and and reassuring. And, and it does help. I think sometimes when people realize that maybe they are good at what they do, that's, it's kind of refreshing. And I have to say that uh, it's been exciting for me. I work in a very specialized field. So perhaps I shouldn't be surprised that, you know, Sometimes I have expertise to offer and, and that others realize it, but I, that's something that comes with time. And I'm you know, at a place now where I feel like with all the experience I've gained, all the, the, the things I've been able to work on through my career, that it's actually given me you know, some unique capabilities that have been able to have an impact uh, on my peers and on my company.
0: I love that. Well, that was brag worthy for sure. And congratulations to you. Thank you. So to close, what is the one piece of advice you'd like to leave our audience with? What's one thing you think they all should think about as we move forward, as they try to manage through working from home and still have ambition and trying to succeed as women in the workplace?
1: Yeah, I think trying to succeed as women in the workplace, you can almost take out the women. Just just trying to succeed in the workplace, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got from, from one of my mentors who happened to be a, a man, was that it's better to win than be right. And you know, that saying has just stuck with me for decades now. And I, I've shared it with my daughters outside of a, a business or a professional context, but, but certainly with my peers. And, and, and what it basically means is you know, getting to the outcome that you're hoping to achieve or getting the results that you're hoping to achieve is more important than your ego. Yeah. And you can set aside your ego in the interest of of getting that end result that you're looking for. And I think uh, back to my earlier comments about women being perceived as pushy or or bossy, um, you know, sometimes if we let our egos get in the way, we're only contributing to that. And, and, And my advice based on my own experience is, get your ego out of the way. It it doesn't matter. You know, just, you know, focus on getting to the outcome that you want, getting the results you want. And that's what's ultimately most important.
0: Absolutely. That's great advice. Erin, thank you so much for spending time with us today. It's been great to hear and learn from your career.
1: Thank you again. I'm so excited to have been invited to participate and great to get to know you better, Romy. Thank you. Thanks so much.
0: Thanks for joining us today on Fairy God Boss Radio. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and visit us at fairygodboss.com. See you next time.